0: Blue Jays are back, the offense is back. Hello and welcome to episode 203 of section 138. The Blue Jays scored some runs. They scored more than two or three runs in a ball game. The first game of this series in St. Louis was absolutely brutal, but game 2 the Blue Jays score eight runs. They rack up the tally against the St. Louis Cardinals. We have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hitting a home run. We have Danny Jansen hitting two home runs, we have five walks as a team, we have every sort of offense you could ever want or imagine, and the biggest offensive performance for the Blue Jays since opening weekend. Bryson, Jacob, how are you guys? It
1: is crazy that it's been that long. As much as it's not surprising because of the uh, results, but doing good after today. I think today's game made this episode, or will make this episode, a lot easier to talk about. Because the way it ended yesterday, just coming into today, it wasn't good. And if they managed to lose again tonight, I feel like it would have been a disaster for all three of us tonight. So a great win tonight offensively. Uh, Pitching was obviously there. It's going to make it a lot easier to talk about, and we have a lot of positives that we can take away as well from this game, which is going to be really good as the Jays uh, continue their road trip.
2: Yeah, and also, like, this was a game... I think it's fair to say this is a game this team absolutely had to have. You don't want to go to L.A. You don't want to face Shohei Otani on a losing streak. I mean, I'm not going to say that the team is 100% better now, but, you know, they're definitely doing well. Obviously, are doing well enough to win in this game. And I think the biggest takeaway that I have is this wasn't a situation where you absolutely need all of your key relievers. Like, obviously, everybody's key on this team, but you can throw in whoever you want, make those defensive replacements, just sit back, get a win. Now we'll see what Shohei Otani can, uh, or if Shohei Otani can stop that offense on Thursday.
0: That's the bad news. The Blue Jays have (laughs) the game of the month so far, and how do they get rewarded for it? They're going to Los Angeles and facing the one and only Shohei Ohtani. But there are worse situations to be in if you're the Blue Jays. They could be coming off a two-run game and going to Los Angeles and facing Shohei Ohtani. At least they are coming in relatively hot or hotter than they have been over the last two to three weeks. Um, we've seen this offense perf- offensive performance before. The last time they scored eight runs was in the doubleheader against Cleveland. That time, it didn't work out. The Blue Jays did not sustain that success over the long term. They lost 3-4 of in Cleveland. They ended up going on a losing stretch. They got swept by the Yankees in a two-game set. Is this any different? Is this offensive success going to carry over into future games, into future series against Los Angeles and whoever comes next?
2: I hate to be the one that has to say it, but I— I just don't know. I, I really do not know at this point. Like the
1: I don't know show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, the thing is, is the offense was good today. You know, obviously 12 hits, that's good. Springer had a hit. Uh, Guerrero had two hits. Bichette had two hits. Kirk actually had two hits as the DH today. Like, it was a good offensive performance. But, like, just yesterday, they had probably one of the most disappointing offensive performances of the season or at least within the month of may i don't know i i'd love to see this be the end of this offensive drill especially for guys like vladimir guerrero jr who might as well call that a moonshot at this point like that home run that he hit and obviously danny jansen like if you can get that offensive uh, production out of your catcher who really hasn't been an offensive uh, cornerstone of the team that's even better Uh, unfortunately santiago espinal did lose his 16 game hitting streak However, I don't know. I think like the 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 key guys on this lineup or in this lineup had good games. Not everybody did. Obviously, Springer he had a triple, but like let's be real here, that probably should have been caught or at least not a triple. But still, regardless, the guys you need to get on base, the guys that you need to drive in runs, they drove in runs, got home runs when they had guys on base. Now we just need to see if it actually is sustainable. And we mentioned Shohei Otani. If the Blue Jays lose, which, I mean, I'm not predicting anything right now, but if they don't have a great game against Otani, don't panic. Like, you might as well face Kevin Gosman and say that your offense is bad. Well, like, of course it's going to be bad if you're against that good of a pitcher, but I would love to see it kind of be the end of the offensive drought. You know, you look at the LA Angels, to be fair, they're a good team 26 and 17, better record than the Blue Jays. It's not. It's not a walk in the park. You know, the Cardinals, we said, were similar to them. Game one was awful. Game two, that was a good offensive performance. I just... I would like to see this be the end of the drought, but I think it's going to take a bit of time. And maybe today was the start of that. You know, you get guys finally out of their droughts. Danny Jansen, as I mentioned, Guerrero hitting home runs. Even Springer, that bloop triple. A bloop triple is the start of a, of a hitting streak, a game hitting streak, so... I'd love to see this be the end of that offensive drought. I think it's possible. It's going to be tough to, to go and face Shohei Otani in a team that is good, but let's be real here. The Blue Jays, if you want to be a good team, you also have to beat the other good teams. And that's kind of where they're at right now. The schedule does, after the Angels series, get a little easier. Actually, no, it doesn't. They face the White Sox right after. I was just scrolling through this the, the uh, schedule. So, okay, it doesn't get easier. Doesn't matter, not every team has a million aces on their staff, and you're going to have to beat the good teams regardless of where you are in your schedule, and really no matter what, so I think it is the end of something, I think that, I think we could see a bit of change, they're going to LA as I mentioned, they have an off day tomorrow, I guarantee you the flight to LA is going to be a lot better than if it happened yesterday, or even if they lost today, so... I think the morale on this team is a lot better. They have the off day tomorrow to work on some things, you just kind of even relax if you want to call it that. So going into the series four gamer against LA, I wouldn't be surprised if we do see a lot better offense. Sucks that all of these games are probably gonna be at like 9 30 p.m. So half the half of the audience is probably gonna be sleeping by that point, not be able to see that offensive performance. But I think this is this is the start of something, primarily because of the approach. Like, look at it. We didn't see the Blue Jays, like, try to hit a a first pitch strike out of the park. What this was, this team waited for their pitch, waited for guys to be on base, and then they did something with it, and it's really all you can ask for. Like I said, bottom of the order producing just as much as the top of the order. I think this is the start of something. It's not going to get easier with LA, with Chicago, but I think at this point, All you can really do is hope like the offense. It's look started to turn around. It started to look good at the start of the season too, really. And wasn't really there, but I guess third, third time's the charm. All we can hope for is a better offensive uh, finish to May. And then hopefully into June uh, that momentum can carry.
1: Yeah. I mean, tonight all around and Jacob, you were talking about it right before we started recording was uh, they were walking a lot and, to what Mark was saying too, lots of similarities to the Cleveland game or that first game of the doubleheader because we said we said the same thing that day was, is this the start of something new? Did the Jays finally get over that hump? Is this the beginning of offensive explosions? Uh, pretty much 30 minutes later when they played game two of that doubleheader, they went right back to normal and then pretty much since then, it's been the exact same thing. So I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, we knew that it had to start somewhere, of course. And I just feel like they needed a game like this where they put up eight, nine, ten runs and they don't allow a lot. Where just a blowout game. I feel like that's what they need to maybe turn the corner. There's a lot that they have to figure out still. There's a lot that they have to get back on track. You know, I think as much as it is an approach thing and it is them struggling to, I guess, you know, put balls in play when runners are in scoring position, I think this is also really turned into a mind game for them. Like, it's getting in their heads mentally. And I think that, unfortunately for that part, it's kind of going through everyone. They're trying to do too much now, especially because they know that them as a team aren't performing at the highest level. So I think that's getting to their head on that part. And they had to start somewhere, and they had to really regroup as a whole. Because again, we talked we talked about this last episode— every single person in this lineup has struggled with the same thing, which has been the runners and scoring position, which has been just, I guess, you know, the approach and everything like that. So no matter what it is, tonight was a good start because what we saw the night before, again, I hinted at it right when we started, Pretty much the exact same thing, the old kind of, or not the old, but what we've seen throughout the entire series, or sorry, the entire season from this team. They went 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position. You lose 7-3 to the Cardinals. Of course, you lose from a walk-off grand slam and extra innings. So then you come in tonight... Not feeling the greatest, but of course, um, you had a a feeling it was going to go okay with Kevin Gosman on the mound. I mean, he was lights out once again, 23 23, swing and misses on the mound. He was dominant, pitching pretty much into the sixth inning, over 100 pitches. He looked very comfortable. He was striking out uh, the Cardinals when he had to, and that's why I think uh, it was a really good performance tonight from him as well. So that's something that we're used to seeing. The pitching's never been the issue, but you can only imagine... The, I guess, how calm or maybe just how different it would be for someone like Gosman to pitch into the sixth inning, knowing that you're up, you know, you're up by a huge margin. You're not up by one run. You're handing it off to the bullpen. You're not up by one run. You hand things off to Ross Stripling after Gosman gets out of the game for two innings, and then you hand it off to Andrew Vasquez. Both of those guys come into the game. They have a smooth sailing just due to the fact, I mean, obviously, they pitched really well. Ross Stripling had three strikeouts in two innings, but just knowing that you had not, you know, you had a huge margin for error just because of the amount of runs that you had over the Cardinals, it's definitely reassuring. So this is something you see it tonight. We know all season they have the potential to do this. It's just the problem has been the lack of consistency. The problem is when they show the signs of this, they revert back to their old shells right afterwards. So that's why cautiously optimistic and I think honestly I think the off day tomorrow hurts them because if I'm if I'm them I'm wanting to get right back out there the next day continue and build off of this now you got to travel to Anaheim now you got to face Shohei Ohtani on Thursday night you guys spoke about that Jacob you pretty much teed that up You don't know exactly what's going to happen from that just because of how much, I guess, of of just an up and down and unpredictable this offense has been. But tonight in particular was definitely reassuring to see guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who's been uh, scuffling this pretty much, I guess, the entire month of May. He drops in the order, or sorry, he doesn't drop in the order, but he slides the three still after a couple times at two. They kind of try and flip-flop him a few times. Didn't really get going for him. We know that Santiago Espinal began the series and spent the entire series batting out of the two spots. So they make a little bit of an adjustment there at the top of the order. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a guy that Obviously, he hasn't been hitting for a ton of power this year because of just his approach, just like everybody else, which has been the exact same issue. He's been walking, but he's been getting on base in the meantime. Uh, it pretty much carried over to tonight, and he finally broke out of that. Hits a home run uh, over 400 feet, of course, and the Danny Jansen's another one who hits two home runs. Those are pretty much the driving factors tonight, but I mean, a lot of guys contributed when you score eight runs. So it was definitely good to see guys like Vladdy because Vladdy's the keystone or the corner piece of this offense, and I think it's not even close of a comparison because of him and his impact we, we know how good he is when he's when he's on point and he's one of the deciding factors on this team so once he gets going once he turns it around you like kind of how it might spread towards the rest of the guys in the order pretty much George Springer tonight as well at the top of the order he did really well going one for three but we should have had a multi-hit game as well so maybe we're seeing signs I mean tonight was a sign but the question is is it sustainable we said the same thing in cleveland it, it did not happen we're going to say the same thing again And we're going to pretty much have an answer for this at the end of the Angels series. But that's a long time away. The Jays have an off day. And then they got to play four more games before we get to that point. So it's going to be a tough weekend. The Angels are a very good team. The Cardinals were kind of a team that were just as good as the Jays. So it was a pretty good test for them overall these last two games. We all predicted a split. Clearly they came away with a split, which was good. And um, it's just the million-dollar question is, is this sustainable going forward?
0: Yeah, if we knew we could retire right now and bet our life savings on the Blue Jays. We have no idea what's going to happen if we're being honest. And you would like to think that this is an indication of what's to come? Who the hell knows? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. And to your point, uh, yeah, you wish there was not an off day tomorrow. You wish the Blue Jays, you know right now that they're going to be bumping the tunes. And if they were in Toronto, they would have the um, you know, nightclub lights on and they'd be partying after a game like today. And you know, their flight to Los Angeles is going to be that exact same mood. But once they get there, I sure hope they don't forget what it's like to play a game like this and win a game like this because they need to remember that feeling. They need to keep that momentum going and hopefully having the off day doesn't hurt that at all. Honestly, I don't think it's a big factor, but... If you're looking for anything at the margins right now with the Blue Jays, which we know is how they're playing right now, you're looking for any advantage you can get, and you don't want that off day. Um, Yeah, good to see Vladdy get that home run tonight. Um, Things don't happen in the Blue Jays lineup if Vladdy isn't going. We can praise Santiago Espinal all we want. We can talk about Bo Bichette's resurgence all we want. But if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is not hitting, not a whole lot is going to happen in this lineup, and I'm sure we're going to get to this later, but he had a at-bat in Monday night's game where the bases were loaded and he swung at the first pitch and just kind of rolled over on a ball, hit a grounder, and it ended the inning. And it was an example of the brutal at-bats and brutal approaches he's had of late where he should not be... In that situation, and with his history, and with the Blue Jays' history this season, attacking the first pitch he sees, that being said, it was a hanging slider, so maybe he does attack it, but in 99% of circumstances last season with a hanging slider, that ball is going to be four rows deep in the outfield, not a grounder to shortstop. So obviously he has his issues and he's so crucial to this Blue Jays offense and today's homer and today's performance from him and other guys was encouraging and hopefully a sign that they're getting going. But again, it's a lottery pick. It is flip of a coin right now with the Blue Jays. And to be honest, probably more like 80-20 odds or 90-10 odds that they're not going to sustain this and not going to get going, which I don't even want to think about at this point because we're all kind of riding the high of an eight run game. But if I'm being honest with myself, I think that's where we're at right now. So I am, yes, very skeptical about this. It's cautious optimism. It is wait and see mode. See what happens on Thursday night, late at night with the LA trip. See what happens Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and see if they they can sustain this. Because that's going to be the million dollar question. Um, I mentioned the Monday game. We are all riding the high of the Blue Jays' win right now, but Monday was brutal in every sense of the word for the Blue Jays. Uh, Let's start with what I think everyone agrees was bullpen mismanagement. The Blue Jays pulling David Phelps, who had been largely cruising up until that point, putting in Ryan Barucki. Barucki obviously struggling. He is kind of in love with his slider right now, even though it is not working at all. He throws it a lot. He walks the first guy. He gets to Paul Goldschmidt. And at that point, bases loaded. You know what's going to happen. Paul Goldschmidt hits a walk-off home run for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, Bullpen mismanagement? Yes. I think everyone agrees on that. Is it Charlie Montoyo's fault that the Blue Jays lost that game? Because my answer to that question is no. The Blue Jays went... 0 for 10 or 1 for 10 with runners in scoring position. They left 9 guys on base. Manager ain't going to fix that. The Blue Jays' bullpen is not built to win games like this. It is not built with the intention of entering the 10th inning tied 3-3. It's just not meant for that. The Blue Jays are a team that is built to be going into the 9th inning winning 9-3. to or 8-1, as they were today. Or 5-1. to one, Or 6-2. to two. Any score or any margin of victory wider than one run or zero runs. The Blue Jays' bullpen is not built to function as it was. And the Blue Jays' offense is supposed to be carrying this team. So, yeah, Charlie Montoya made some mistakes. I'll be the first one to admit that. But he's not at fault for that loss. It is... One hundred percent on the offense for missing opportunities and not scoring where they need to, namely the seventh inning when they had the bases loaded and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. grounded out.
2: I one hundred percent agree with you. Like, we can blame managers, and don't get me wrong, if a manager makes a bad decision, or you know, if in any sport, like a, the the coach or the whatever, they can make the bad decision or a, a move that you should have done or would have done differently. But at the end of the day, there is only so much that the manager can actually do, and we're forgetting, it was the 10th inning, so the game was tied after the 9th inning, so you'd gone and played a full game, it was tied. You had your opportunities to take the lead, you had the lead, actually, to be fair, you lost it, which, I'm not going to fully blame everybody, but basically, like, it's not like you can say Charlie Montoyo is at fault for the Blue Jays losing in extra innings. The final score obviously doesn't necessarily look like a typical extra inning game, it was, what, 7-3, to three, so... You know, it looks similar to a blowout, but, like, it wasn't a blowout. It was just, you know, really one hit off of a pitcher in the late innings. I don't blame the manager for that, and to be fair, I don't overly blame the pitchers. Like, yeah, obviously you shouldn't give up a grand slam or any type of hard hit contact in the 10th inning, but we're also forgetting that you do start that inning with a guy on base, and it goes for both teams, absolutely. I hate this rule. I really think it needs to go away like it, I think, originally was planned to, but, you're, it's not a regular inning where you can just, in theory, get three deep fly ball outs or three ground balls or, or whatever. Or you, you, in theory, could give up a single. You're basically on high alert from the second you start that inning. And it's, it's just... It, it, it's not a good way to end the game, but the only reason why it got to that point or the reason why we had to leave regulation or the normal nine-inning game was because the, the offense can either build on that lead or retake that lead once it was gone and you hate to see this type type of things happen you had a decent start from jose brios he's actually credited with a quality start and then two of those runs that were left on base were charged to him after they went to score so like it still was a good start from brios wasn't awful by the offense like if you can win three to two that's great but that's not realistic and it's just kind of how this game eventually went and it, it's not Montoyo's fault and I've been echoing this and saying this for how many years has he been here for or at least how many years has he been there with the competitiveness and I think it's been three years now or three seasons at least. I don't really blame him for any of these or fully blame him for any of these situations because it's hard to say that it's the guy not on the field responsible for the on the field play. Obviously he has a big say in it or at least is at the forefront of it with everybody behind the scenes. But you cannot leave nine men on base and then blame the manager for losing in extra innings. It's just not, it can't happen and it will not happen, at least not for me. I don't think that a lot of people really see that. I think people will just look at it and say, you should have taken this guy out or you should have done this differently. But at the same time, there's only so much you can do. When last season, the one of, if not the best offense was not performing at all or has not really performed at all this season that's really where i stand here like it's not Montoyo's complete fault you got to score runs like you can't go into the ninth inning or really the 10th inning or later and have absolutely zero offense out of that team that, that it cannot happen at least it didn't happen in this game you do you see guys get on base and you see guys drive those in or drive those runs in all we can hope is that's sustainable because you know it's funny right as the blue jays lose again or losing again more consistency what are we hearing? It's the Montoya firing comments, or should this guy lose their job, or should is it this person's fault that the team's losing? And it is what it is. I think a lot of fans just don't really look into it as much as they really should. And I, you know, I don't want to call anybody out or just you know trash any of the fans, but you you can't blame the manager for everything just because a team loses, especially when it's a good offense. It was a tie game. It was three three. It was three two going into the later portions of the game. You need to score more runs, especially when you have the opportunities and you have the right players up to take advantage of those opportunities. That's who I think needs to be at fault here. And at least it worked out today on on Tuesday night or Wednesday night. No, Tuesday night. (laughs) We're recording it just after Wednesday. So Tuesday night it worked. You have the off day. Let's hope that things can work out even a little bit more, and you can take out, uh, t- take out those high stress situations for the pitchers, which we did see today. It wasn't as brutal as it was in uh, in the series opener.
0: Midnight
1: pods. Let's go. <laughs> I love them. I love them. And here's the other thing: I disagree with both of you, both of you about this. Cap. Partially, not fully, because I do partially, and I voice my frustration. Both of you, I partially blame Charlie Montoyo for yesterday or Monday's game uh, because of what happened. Now, overall, let me make it very clear to both of you before I start. Big picture, it is the offense's fault. And I completely agree with what both of you are saying. But in yesterday's game, I understand what they did. They left a lot of people on base. They left a lot of guys and runners in scoring position. Unfortunately... You didn't have those runs. You don't have the luxury of those runs. And it's pretty much been the story of the season for Montoyo and the coaching staff. They've had to pretty much manage throughout one-run games the entire time. I'm another Charlie Montoyo defender. However, when I do think he's wrong for something... I'm going to hold him accountable for it and I go back to yesterday game, yesterday's game counting about three different times where I disagreed with every single move that he made and quite frankly I think if the bullpen was managed better last night despite the offense leaving those guys on base because that is a huge issue and maybe it shouldn't have gotten to that point. I completely agree with that but unfortunately that's not what happened and we were at that point because the offense was bad. So. Partially on Charlie Montoyo, but basically what I'm trying to say is if Charlie Montoyo manages the bullpen better last night, despite the lack of runs, the Blue Jays win this game. Or they win game one. Number one is, first of all, with Jose Barrios. This is two starts now where you push him too far into his outing and he runs into trouble The last, pretty much the last outing. Jacob, you were talking about it. It was a good start from Barrios. It wasn't a bad start. But unfortunately, his past two outings, the last inning has pretty much been... I guess, not completely ruining his pitching line, but it hasn't been showing, I guess, necessarily sh- truly showing how good he was on the mound. So that's number one for me, is that he was in way too long, and this is twice now that they've pretty much had to learn from this. Number two is, it's just a minor thing. I don't understand late in the game, maybe you guys can help me out with this. I don't understand why Rymal Tapia was pinch hitting for Bradley Zimmer. I'd like you guys to maybe give your thoughts on that after I'm done. I don't understand, even though that didn't have much of an impact on the game. Number three is the David or the Adam Simber thing. Or pretty much pulling Jose Brios for Adam Simber. Yes, the Blue Jays are missing that swing and miss guy. Yes, the Blue Jays, bullpen is not a complete piece. However, this is your first guy that you're going to after Jose Brios. Adam Simber, I don't have the entire exact numbers in front of me, but he is a guy who basically the biggest guy out of the bullpen who allows contact. He's coming on with Inherited runners on base. I can't remember exactly where they were, but it led to runs, and that's pretty much how the Jays lost their lead or lost their lead in game one. That's number two for me. Number three is David Phelps coming out for Ryan Barucki. I think that's pretty much the one that you guys can at least agree with me the most on in terms of that. I don't understand why David Phelps was pulled and when he was pulled. Because Ryan Barucki comes on, like you guys were talking about completely expected, I guess, because you well, first of all, you saw him warming up in the bullpen and then he comes on. It just, you knew some, you knew the Cardinals were going to react. Okay. So David Phelps comes out, pinch hitter and Mondo or Mundo Sosa replaces uh, Nolan Gorman. You knew the Cardinals were going to retaliate. If you're going a lefty lefty, you knew they had the last say they're going to revert back to their righty. And then it turns into a make or break situation because Paul Goldschmidt's on deck you know that if you get the out, everything's fine. Disaster avoided, uh, situation avoided. But if you don't get him out, look who's on deck. Ryan Barucky versus Paul Goldschmidt. It it's sets up for failure right before the at-bat even started. I don't think anyone had any good feeling towards that right when the at-bat started. We know what happened after that. I'm just saying, I know the offense needs to contribute. If the offense contributed yesterday, when they had the chances to likely we're never even in the spot where we're talking about this. But again, we need to talk about what happened. The offense wasn't there and it's been the exact same story all season. The bullpen was the reason why they didn't win the yesterday's game. They could have if it was properly managed, they could have came away with yesterday's game despite having the low offense, and that's what they've done all season. And it's been credit to Charlie Montoyo and his staff all season because they have found ways to win these games where they've been up by one run in the ninth inning. And I'm not taking anything away from that because there's been a lot, pretty much all their wins have had to come with similar, I guess, situations and similar leverage points where they've had to make you know, cru- crucial decisions, questionable decisions, risky decisions, you name it. Just yesterday, in my opinion, it was probably on the lower end of the spectrum in terms of them managing a bullpen this year, and I think it was very, pretty much very noticeable, in my opinion, and I, just, I don't blame it all on Charlie Montoya. That's not what I'm saying. I just think he gets part of the blame. I don't know how much of it he gets compared to the offense, but the offense overall is definitely the bigger issue. It remains the bigger issue going into this weekend, despite what they did tonight, but Charlie Montoya cannot get a free pass from what happened last night. I still love Charlie Montoyo. I'm sure it's going to be fine throughout the rest of the year. He's had He has hiccups all the time. You can never be perfect. We had the same topic last year when we discussed one of the games in Cleveland in 2021, where we all agreed that Charlie Montoyo probably didn't manage the best his best game that day. This year, in this particular case for me, I'm at the similar stage of last year when I said the same thing. It's on him partially for this, but in no matter or no reason am I on the fire Montoyo parade. I am not. I am just saying, I think if the bullpen was managed better in this particular game, the Jays come out of this with a sweep. But again, we know what the main issue is, and it's not Charlie Montoya.
0: Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I think that's a good way of putting it. I think I'd probably place less blame on Charlie than you do by the sounds of it. Like, if you're breaking it down to, into percentages, I might put it at, like 15% Charlie, or maybe that's a bit low, maybe 20 or 25% Charlie and 75% offense or 80% offense. Sounds like you might be a little bit higher than that, maybe 30 or 35% Charlie, responsibility for that loss. But yeah, bottom line, like he made mistakes, and we've already been over the Phelps-Brucky side of things, but you mentioned bringing in Simber. There was two guys on base. Simber's a contact guy. To be honest, I don't take much issue with that. I think in that situation, there's not many other options you have to go to. And in my opinion, outside of Jordan Romano, Adam Simber and maybe Tim Meza, but obviously Mesa's on the IL right now, Adam Simber is the highest leverage guy you can use. Whether he pitches to contact or not, he has the lowest ERA out of the bullpen. He has a 1.93 ERA. And you look at the other options the Blue Jays can go to in that situation, the guys that they went through later in that game, Trevor Richards, 4.34 ERA, Julian Merriweather, 6.39 ERA, David Phelps, maybe he's someone you go into in that situation, but he has a 2.87 ERA, um, and then some of the guys that they didn't use, Jimmy Garcia, 3.94 ERA, Jordan Romano, obviously, I'm, I'm going to talk about him later, so we'll save that for now, but Ross Stripling, 4.62 ERA. So, to me, none of the alternatives are better. Whether he's a contact pitcher or not, whether he's a lefty or righty, to me, Adam Simber is the best guy to go in that situation because he's your highest leverage guy, whether he's contact or not. So, I personally don't take much issue with that decision. What I do take issue with is the Jordan Romano choice of not putting him in, or not even just not putting him into the game, but the logic that Charlie Montoyo used. For not putting him into the game. So the quote that we got from him after the game on whether he considered using Romano in the tie game in the 10th inning was, quote, You don't do that on the road. We did it in Houston, and it didn't work out. And to me, that is just... Mind-numbingly stupid. Like, there's no logic behind that. We know... Analytics, we know baseball is a game of chance. We know past performance doesn't always indicate future success. Because Jordan Romano failed in Houston doesn't mean it's not gonna work in St. Louis a month after the fact. And Jordan Romano is your best reliever. Use him where it matters most. And I think it's an entirely separate conversation if we're talking about the fact if Charlie Montoyo comes out after the game and says We didn't want to put him into a situation where we didn't have the lead or where we already had a guy on base because Jordan Romano likes to come in in a clean inning. If he had given any of those excuses, sure, fine, whatever. i give him a pass on that one. This excuse is incredibly dumb. And if that's the actual logic the Blue Jays were using to not use Romano in that situation, I can't understand it at all. So that's what I take the most issue with. And yes, we have to hold Charlie Montoyo accountable for this stuff. We have to talk about this stuff and criticize him for it. Even if it didn't cost the Blue Jays the game, in my opinion, Charlie Montoyo still made a mistake. Uh, And we have to consider that. We have to talk about that. Even though, again, in my opinion, didn't cost the Blue Jays the game.
2: Yeah. I mean, holding people accountable is definitely right. I think it's definitely fair. You want to have the best product on the field. You want to have the best offense. You want to have the best defense pitching, whatever. But you also want people that can properly utilize that. I don't know. To me, the only move that I really disagree with is the one that you just mentioned, the Romano one. I think Adam Simber, regardless of how he pitches, he's one of your best relievers aside from your closer. But you're not going to use your closer in the highest leverage situation if it's in like what what was what the inning, the sixth or the seventh, with the when Simber came out. So I understand that. I don't know. I to me. I guess you can even call it New York as well, where Jordan Romano kind of got into a little bit of trouble, although that was a bit of a different situation where he was on the road, kind of blew up in his face. I don't know. To me, I kind of disagree with it still. Um, it is tough, though, because you'd also... like. It's a tough situation, but I think the reasoning for not making the decision that other people would have made isn't really uh, the best decision, but... Still, in terms of, like, who I actually blame for that loss, I gotta say I'm probably at most 10% on Montoya because, like, it's tough, can't, you can't not score any runs and then blame your manager for every little thing. Like, that would be like saying, all oh, the pitching, it's the pitching's fault for them losing. Well, to be fair, other than a few batters in the 10th inning, it really was a good pitching performance from the, from that team it's tough, I think when, when you're losing, when you're not doing well, it's definitely something a lot of people do, is they overanalyze, they look at what's going wrong, I just, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not very worried about what's going on with Montoya, and I've never really been overly worried, like, yeah, we could be critical about him, and we definitely have been, and even earlier in his tenure with the Blue Jays, I probably was too, but I still trust him, I don't think he's going anywhere, to anybody that thinks he's getting fired, cover your ears for this, but he's not getting fired anytime soon, at least not this season. Maybe if it goes horribly wrong. No, no. when I say maybe, I mean if it goes a horribly, horribly wrong, then you'll have to look and, and at least consider it. But I really doubt it. I like he's here to stay. He doesn't even make awful decisions. Like, yeah, he sometimes makes questionable decisions, but it's also hard to make the right decision and look good when your offense scores two runs or three runs and, and just barely does its job. But either way, that game's over. He made the right decisions in in the series finale. Let's just hope things like that can can continue because it's it is it's it's what you want to see. You want to see this team do well. You want to see everybody perform well. But when things don't go wrong, I think it's it definitely is a little bit of a, a head scratching moment to see these types of decisions.
1: Yeah, and the Jordan Romano thing isn't even is one of the biggest things I didn't even bring up. I completely forgot about it, and I'm glad you introduced it, Mark. But yeah. Like, I, I hate that excuse of, you know, it, it happened in Houston or whatever, save situation. Like, you use your best reliever in Jordan Romano when you have to use Jordan Romano. And I don't care if it's save situation. I don't care if it's not. Um, I just, a uh, head scratcher that he wasn't even warming. I don't know if he was wor- warming up in game one, but the fact that he wasn't used at all is just another head scratcher for me. And I don't like the reasoning for it. Um I just, I don't know how he could have defended it. Maybe that's why he reverted back to those words. And, you know, you just instantly think of on the road when a closer, when you don't use your closer in a non-save situation, you always think of the Buckshow Walter Zach Britton thing with Baltimore years ago. I just, it always comes back to my mind about that. And then you he's sitting there in the bullpen and you're saying, okay, we're saving him for a safe situation. but. The problem is when you're on the road like that, it is not guaranteed that safe situation that you're preparing for even comes to fruition and it even happens. So that's why um, I don't like I don't agree with it either. And as much as, you know, that's probably another big reason for what happened, or I just if you want to hold him accountable, that's definitely one of the big reasons as well to hold him accountable because of the way it was handled with Jordan Romano, it just it doesn't make sense to me how you explain that. Afterward, like I understand in Houston it didn't work out, which is true, but like we can't hold, we, we can't, um, we can't revert or just. I guess, hold everything under one example. Like, everything is different. I just, I don't agree with it whatsoever. And I think it's pretty simple is that you use your best reliever and it's Jordan Romano. Like, I I don't understand. And, you know, we, we, we know that he's been, I guess, up and or off and on in terms of appearances because of the infection he was dealing with. I think it was in his stomach. You want to get him back in a rhythm. He's only pitched, I think, is it once or twice since he's recovered from that infection. So... You got to get him in. You you can't just, I guess, leave him on the side for a week. And um, in terms of that, it just, I don't know. I mean, I don't like it. I just go back to Monday night. Everything or multiple things about that game just didn't or rubbed me the wrong way in that way. So I don't understand it. But Jordan Romano pitching late in the game, um, regardless if it's a safe situation or not, Jacob, stop phoning me. Um, it, <laughs> I don't understand just... You you use your best reliever when you have to. And it doesn't matter if it's a safe situation or not. That's the only thing I'm trying to say. And I, clearly we're all in agreement with that one. But Charlie Montoyo, again, we're not all on the fire Montoyo bandwagon or anything. It's just that when he does make a slip up like this, you got to hold him accountable for it. And you got to talk about these things. Um, it's just, you can't, you can't avoid it. I'm sorry. And you got to win games and it's been frustrating all around. I get it. The offense performs. We don't deal with this. It's just for me, as much as the offense didn't put anything up or they put up three runs, it was enough with proper bullpen management to win the game, but it's not ideal. You don't want to have these situations throughout the year. You want to be up 9-3 like you were talking about, Mark, because that's the way this bullpen truly is built. We know they're probably almost 100% going to add to the bullpen at some point this year. Um, It just seems like something that's going to happen, or they do every year. We know how early they acted last year, and you pretty much assume they're going to get something this year. I don't know how early they will act this year, but we know that's coming down the line as well, and hopefully by that time where they get that swing and miss guy that everyone's been talking about, the offense is truly back, and, you know, we saw a taste of it tonight. And the main question, again, is this weekend if they can keep this up.
0: I'll say, for the record, Jacob also just called me. Uh, we're getting a little bit rambunctious on this what late night troll. pod. What a troll. Excuse honestly, me. What I, a troll. I don't even want to I'm hear lucky Jacob.
2: I'm on Do Not Disturb. I got four different phone calls from one of it you. It wasn't me. <laughs> I
0: don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I was speaking. six four three area code. Not me. Nope, just leaked my phone number on the pod. Whoops. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to listener responses. We've had uh, a couple thoughts. One from Ed Johnson. He said, Jays win tonight, but I'm going Goldilocks. Not too cold, not too hot. Let's see at Angel Stadium. I think that's kind of where all of us are at. We had one earlier in this week tweeted at us from No Name. Um, How did Vladdy go 0-for-11 with one walk in the series against the Reds, who have the worst pitching staff in all of baseball? And that's pretty much where we're at. But thankfully, Vladdy. Got going a little bit in today's game. Yeah, I don't know how he put up that performance. It's been frustrating to watch him all year. Hopefully the homer today is a sign of things to come. And then a couple responses on Instagram. Adam Mercer saying, The offense in Game 2 was amazing. Let's just hope it wasn't a flash in the pan. Pretty much where we're all at right now. And then one from Ready one Interesting, the offense shined in Game 2 for some reason. Which, uh, yeah, it did. It's pretty obvious. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, let's get to our predictions for this four-game set against the Los Angeles Angels. The matchups are Ryu versus Otani in game one. And then we have no idea who's pitching for the Angels the rest of the series. But the Blue Jays is going to be Alec Manoa, Yusei Kikuchi, and Jose Barrios. Um, The only other Angels starter that I know is Noah Syndergaard. So maybe he pops up in this series against the Blue Jays. would be interesting to see a matchup against him. What are you guys going with out of four? How many do you think the Blue Jays will take?
2: The Blue Jays have been playing like a 500 team for the last month. So I'm going to say they play 500 here and they split this series. Like I said this earlier, Angels are a darn good team. They're not a pushover anymore, or at least not right now. But it's going to be difficult to take three or four out of this one.
1: Three out of four for me. Something's got to give. I keep saying it. They got to get going at some point. 500 baseball is great in all, Jacob. But if you want to win the World Series, if you want to win the AL East, if you want to catch the Yankees, you got to take that next level eventually. So that's why you saw a taste of it tonight. The question is, I mean, the last time we said this, it never pretty much translated. Why? I'm very optimistic that this may translate a little bit. I'm not saying it's going to be, I guess, everything's going to be solved by the end of the weekend, but... If you can head in, continue to head in a, uh, a better direction and take 3 out of 4 from them, uh, it's a massive win of the road trip because a lot of people were very worried about this road trip based on the way things were going. Hunjin Ryu's been pitching really well since he came back. Alec Manoa is Alec Manoa. You got Yusei Kikuchi as well, who we remain optimistic with. And on Sunday, you got Jose Barrio. So with those guys matched up, I'm confident and, um, I think the only one where I'm really, uh, not really like just a little worried about would be that Thursday night game with Otani on the mound. Um, I think other than that, just because I guess we don't know who is starting for the angels throughout the weekend. Like you were talking about, Mark, I will right now say three out of four is uh, my prediction.
0: Three of four. Let's go. Let's get it done. Blue Jays, make it happen. Things are finally turning around. And I'm going to manifest that. And I know I'm going to come here on Sunday and be made fun of, but three or four, it's got to happen eventually. Uh, okay. That's it for today. That's it for this short two game set against the St. Louis Cardinals. The blue Jays will play the Cardinals. I think they're back in Toronto against the Cardinals at some point later this season. Um, end of July, end of July. There we go. um, Until then, as always, you can support our podcast by following us on social media. That's at Section138Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can give us all your series thoughts then, and we'll share it on the podcast. You can also give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, which just helps spread the word about what we're doing here. And uh, four games against the Los Angeles Angels. We get to watch Shohei Otani on Thursday night, and that should be a fun one. Until then...